real big part on that. Ooh. Who is that? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are recording now. We are recording. <laughs> I, I, I touched something. I don't know why this is being so complicated today, but it is. Mercury record. Uh, so you have to let go of your ego. Very good. So this is us getting set up. <laughs> yes, we are recording. So I'm going to just jump in. I'm going to start it off. I'll start the video. All I'll ask is, is if you're, you can't hear it, just let me know, and then I'll, I'll restart it. But typically, you, by playing the video, you should all get the audio on your own computer as well as it being recorded. So before, without further ado, this is just kick this off. Richard, you want to kick it off? You did a great job last time, but you don't know what the, what the topic is. Yes, here we go. Okay, yes, you can see uh, this is clearly Father's Day. We are lost souls. All no, 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 no. That's a that's a stereotypical trope that we can do away with. All right, good. All right, we are father, happy Father's Day. We all know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> yes, there we go. Very good. All right, good. So yeah, just we're going to start off with a video, everybody. I don't think it'll need, you know, any kind of introduction as you watch it and follow it, you know, just talking about the true context of the ripple effect, the impact that people can have. In addition, as, as I mentioned a couple of sessions ago, we talked about uh, cancer and healing, uh, and you'll see how that somewhat is, is connected into this video. So without further ado. That's, that's one gifted young lady, I must say. I mean, not only does she have a great voice, but she's a great human being too. For her to, to latch on to the 2% the way she, she does, I mean, I, I give her just, just from what I witnessed there, I give her a much better shot than 2%. She's got the mindset that she knows what's important. We talked about the, the eight common factors or the spontaneous remissions. She seems to have all of that. She seems to really be doing exactly what she is the best thing that she could possibly do, be doing in facing her her cancer and and for her to express herself with her gift of, of voice to write that song to inspire to be on tv to inspire all the people who could see it is just it's just wonderful thanks for sharing that video michael i knew nothing about it Other thoughts? I think um, <clears throat> it's not the length of your life. It's what you do with it. And, you know, 30 years is a long time, really. In, um, but such a short time, I guess, in the larger scheme of things. But it's not about time or length of life or... Um, oh, any of that it's it's really about what you do with the time you have and about what what and she certainly i you know i think of her as a messenger 
and I think we take on things sometimes. Um, we've talked about this before where, where you have kind of a purpose in your life. And sometimes that purpose is to take on a larger, um, what is it? A, a larger theme or a, a larger purpose. And so you live your life, you take on that, that theme, that purpose, that thing you want, you came here to express and that's hope and um, making the best of what you have, whether it's 2% or 80%. Um, I think Richard left a message and said, not now. It's probably the idea that maybe that's just having done that will be a spark. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how long ago that was, but obviously fairly recently because of the masks. Um, but standing up there and doing that and singing from the heart is transformative and i'm it, it, for whatever her outcome is she's fulfilled a purpose and she has touched other people and that will have the ripple effect that somebody else whether she is the survivor or whether she's just the messenger that gives the hope to somebody else out there who then takes that on and survives and moves on and finds their purpose. So, you know, all power and all glory. It, it, it also touches on what is healing. You oh. know, we, we have a very, most of us have a very narrow um, definition of what healing is, certainly in the allopathic world you know, healing becomes the absence of, of symptoms and the restoration of, you know, one's physical body. Um, but healing takes place in, on many levels. And, and, you know, regardless of what her outcome is or was or whatever, um, one could say she was healed um, because of how her inner transformation, at least from that video, how her inner transformation proceeded. Um, because again, healing happens on many, many levels. And there are many levels that we can, that we exist on and the physical body is just one. Right. I was just thinking that, that when people ask for, often ask for, or want to heal, he want to be healed somehow. Mostly in the allopathic world, it's a matter of, you know, just make me all better so I can go back to the way I was. And the transformation that can occur in the process of healing, or or even if the physical body does not heal, the transformation that can occur, uh, it, it, it's an essential part of life. She definitely struck me as somebody that has no fear of death. In fact, whatever happens, she's okay with it. She's already chosen to be happy, as she says. So again, I think like we mentioned last week, she's, she's got that backstop. She knows no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. It's this divine order working out. So she really has, has found a, a, a place of great strength and she is an example for, for everybody, um, whatever the outcome, as you said. Yeah, 
so many great comments uh, you just shared there. Just uh, uh, that occurred June 8th of this month. And obviously on America's Got Talent and video already has 22,562,000 plus views with 46,161 comments and scanning down them, you know, was the epitome of what the ripple effect can become. And she did it just simply, and I've heard that expression before, we're here, you know, sing, find your song and sing it, whatever that expression of you is. And it, analogy of a song and she did it there. And it was just so incredible to see sort of the hesitancy of those four people on the panel yeah. and that the total transformation, you know, of these, of, of those on the panel uh, there. And, you know, what really struck me is, is, you know, how she was that teacher, you know, she started off with respect to the cancer and her the one saying it's okay. Um, and then, you know, we're talking about um, the, the line before she, before uh, I, whatever his name there was, was telling her that he was going to give her the vote, you know, was uh, in fact, don't let, what she says, we don't need to wait for the hard times to stop to be happy, something like that. Right. And I don't, I don't know if you saw what's his name that the, the guy there is. Well, Simon. Yeah, sorry, Simon. Did you see his facial expression with that? Yeah, it really, just did. You could tell it, it. It hit home. It transformed him. And the absolute silence, just going to taking it in to an absolute, you know, ovation and. Think of that, you know, is, is you're right. All of what you said is, 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 is here even dealt with life's challenges is rising to the occasion, you know, and, and becoming this incredible teacher out there. And that's where, where we say that the illness can be a gift and not just for yourself, but for others. And, and because there are plenty of people that aren't sick that don't get it, <laughs> you know, they're just going along about their life and, and they're, they're not nearly as connected as she seems to be um, with her illness, with the illness. So that the illness, uh, you know, to be able to reach that level that she apparently has in herself of acceptance of the life she has and the love that she has to offer in the whatever quality and whatever time frame she has to give it. Some of us, some people in their whole lifetime don't find that. They may live a long life, but they don't have that same quality. And so it's not about, again, about the length of your life it's the quality of your life. And, and so for anybody that's going through this, you know, who's facing, uh, cancer. Both um, Bruce and I have have looked at that, and and you know have 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 looked at the at the face of that face of cancer, and not knowing, you know, and having wondering and and fear and all of these other aspects that come into it. Um, but there comes a point at which, you know, you you embrace it. 
and it becomes your friend. It becomes a part of you who, who that has a purpose. And that purpose is, is important, I think, to, to accept it as, a, as, a, as an okay thing. Like she says, it's okay. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's what is. And it's what you're going to do with it that makes a difference. So. And at the same time, I think we need to hold um, those of us who struggle with that in compassion. Because... Yeah. You know, if you if you receive some incredible intensity of a diagnosis about the demise of your physical body um, and, you know, you go off into, you know, whatever spaces one goes off, it, we, you, you know, we need to hold that in compassion. Um, because, you know, again, that can be devastating news. And that's that compassion is what you're expressing is you as the um, what do you say the friend of or the the party you know the per, the friend of the person who has that the person who's going through it is a different experience than what you're talking about which is the compassion for the person going through that there is a relationship there and that's that's appropriate that having the compassion. Um, but I, and I also think that what she was trying to express is that don't feel sorry for her. You know, some people see compassion as feeling sorry. And I know that's not what you mean. Um, it, it's, it's a level of, of um, the compassion becomes a healing force. The compassion is to mean you are in passion with them. You are feeling, you are taking on the experience of that and sharing the load of it you are you're taking on some of the burden of of the persons so the compassion helps in the sense that you're you're um you know you're grabbing arms you know you're taking oh i'll, I'll help help you through this and i'll you know i'm feeling this with you um well, and, and that does that does help that does help well i'm being compassionate for someone or or you know you know, holding people or even oneself in compassion um, is not a, um, how do I want to say, um, it's, it's not a, it's not a trying to carry their burden, you know, right. uh, it, it's a, it's, it's holding them into the compassion um, of understanding that I may not even, you know, be able to relate to what someone's experiencing but I can still hold them in compassion. Um, and the other piece of what was crossing my mind too, was not holding them in judgment because they haven't seen that their incredible disease may be a good thing. Because, you know, there's a, you know, there's a, a part of us that starts to go, well, you should see this, you know, but, you know, again, it becomes a matter of can I hold this person in compassion without judging them in one way or another? Be they sick, you know, be they realize this, be they not, don't realize it, whatever. As Tom was saying uh, about com compassion, it made me think perhaps Bruce can, uh, I'm merely guessing, Bruce may know more linguistically the calm passion. And I'm thinking calm, wondering what the root of calm is, like 
community yeah. and the gathering, to the commune passion, with. together. Communion, yeah. Communion. communion, that's the word I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Communion, passion. Oh. And that's what I mean by sharing, <laughs> sharing the passion of your experience is that you yeah. are, you are, um, yeah, Jeff, it's not a matter of taking the burden or, you know, to take it away from them, but it is to share in the experience and to, to and that helps because to know that you're not alone with it, that there's somebody else that cares enough about you to reach out to, to go th through the emotions that go through the experiences to be there for you. You know, you hear it often said when somebody has, uh, if there's anything I can do, let me know. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, if there's anything I can do, let me know. Well, you never hear from them mostly, you know, and, and you don't know what to do for them anyway. I mean, it's like what it, it's hard to tell. Some, well, here, why don't you go, if you could go and pick up bread for me this afternoon, that would really be helpful. You know, or, or I can mow my lawn. How about that? You know, to, to give them a task to do. Um, so what what is it that you can share, you know, that's meaningful to it to another person when they're going through something like that? And I would be interested in hearing what people think is helpful. Well, I was I was going to bring that up. Um, the idea of you know, just having a general caring for other human beings. And then when somebody, you know, and feeling compassion for people in general. And then when you have somebody who does have the dire diagnosis and you feel compassion for them, you're, you're there for them, you're offering yourself to them. Um, and what it, that at that point, you need to decide what how far do you want to go with that? Do you want to offer to bring them food? Do you want to, um, you know, do anything practical that they, you know, to help them out? Um, and then I was thinking for myself, I, in fact, I, one of my coworkers um, has a stage four metastatic cancer and I've been working with them and doing my best to counsel them. And it's not just from a cancer survivor's perspective, but it's also from a spiritual perspective. Um, or as they would say, God, uh, you know, and God's perspective. I, I try to I try to give them about a, a bit of what the, the, the singer has already plentifully. Um, people who have the dire diagnosis need a lot of that. They need to smile, they need to feel joy. And they need to know that it's okay. And whatever means that you have available to you to convey that to somebody in such a situation to, to help them on a level that's beyond just, you know, picking up the groceries that can help them with their own dealing of, of, of their disease. Then to me, that's, 
I don't, I don't know, maybe a, a higher form of compassion. If you're actually helping somebody, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure about that, but always that's what I'm led to do when I, when I encounter people who have some, you know, something dreaded um, like that to try to, to try to get them to see, you know, that it, like you say, Tom, it, it can be a positive thing. It's not necessarily all bad, but uh but, you know, it's so difficult. I mean, it's a huge hurdle for people to overcome. Yeah. The girl we saw in the video, that's why she she truly is amazing. Because, I mean, she's just like a gazelle, just jumped right over that hurdle. Um, there she is, strong as can be. And she's not doing it for herself as much as she's trying to help other people, I feel. I think so. I mean, to, to, to be able to go into that situation and say, it's okay. She's not saying just for herself, she's trying to help other people realize that, hey, I've got a 2% chance. I mean, that doesn't sound great, but look at her. I mean, you know, it, yeah. it's going to be okay. And so for right. anybody else going through that, maybe that will lift them up. You know, there's how many millions of people that are watching that? Somebody in there is bound to. She did not sound contrived. I mean, to me, it did not no. sound contrived. Um, I mean, they ask her, what, what's your job? What do you do? And she's, that's how it came up. You know, well, I've been fighting mm -hmm. cancer the last two years. That's the only reason it came up. But she that may have job. been, she may yeah. have been following her, you know, spirit. She may have been guided to, to go through this. And I mean, that's a, that's a stage, that's a TV show that, I mean, my goodness. I mean, I don't watch the show, so I really can't speak to it with full authenticity, but I mean, it seems like it's a, there's a certain level of superficiality to it. I mean, people get on there, they perform, they do that. And then Howie said, that's the most authentic thing we've had this whole season. Because he, she cut through all that superficiality with her message. And she did it perfectly. And she responded. She said things back and forth with him. It was, it was just, it was brilliant. But yeah, I think she probably was led to this. Maybe, you know, with, with no guile, you just not realizing that 22 million people plus us five are, are going to see the video, you know. I, I want to follow that point, Bruce, because that relates to a real key point I felt from this and relates to the authenticity. And just, I want to capture just a couple points to this so far have come up, you know, is, is there was Tom had talked about, you know, the welcoming, embracing, accepting, whatever we're encountering, in, in this case, the disease and, and embrace it as your friend or you're part of the experience. And there it ties into the whole concept that life is our teacher. What happens is for a reason. And once we let go of our expectation and begin to see it, and obviously that was something that she did stellar. We talked about compassion, this other real key element that, that really is so fundamental to life. And Bushu led into the key word you know, that really came up there is, is not only was it her story, but it was the impact of this authenticity, you know, and it was Howie's comment, right? And it was the impact of her saying thing, even right from the beginning, right? Is this, so who are you here with? Remember her response? 
<laughs> no one, right? You know, and nobody on that panel knew what to say, right? I mean, because they were just so accustomed to, who's I put it, your, the superficiality, the nature of the show, right? That popularity contest, whatever, I have the right things to say and all these kind of things that, and, and she just stepped out different from the get-go. And I think of that as is how important that is, that in order to have our own song, you know, we've got to really become authentic. We've got to discover our true selves and be that. And I know that had real meaning for me when I saw that, because I basically look back as much as I've been a compassionate and caring person and volunteering and a lot of these wonderful things, I would also be the first to admit is is characteristic of being corporate America, I spent the better part of 40 years wearing masks because it was a huge price tag to be authentic if it didn't match up what the system you know, would accept. Uh, and now, as I'm coming to realize it, is, is that in this last, I'd say, year, it's all about discovering my voice. It's all about me becoming more authentic. It's all about being open and candid. And once starting in that direction, like her, I don't think there's any coming back. That's my experience. I, to, to, to attempt to try to wear a facade for me today is really painful. So I choose not to want to be there anymore. I do career coaching and yet there's this expectation of being superficial at times to wherever. Now I do at points allow the process to unfold and, and it's amazing how at times it, it does unfold in that way. But I'd say that, you know, with this, the ripple effect, this, the, the phase of my life is really about being authentic. And she has taken her experience, sort of push her into this zone of, of change and being authentic. And I, that's how I'm beginning to see my life. Yeah, a lot of challenges and things. And if I now embrace it, it's really been calling to me to really develop my own voice, that authenticity. Because look at the effect of that, you know, there. And, and just as this is 22 million views on just YouTube. I don't know how many people watch it as a show, right? You know, just live or whatever, or repeats of it, whatever case may be. But uh, I think there's, so much we could each learn as human beings and it's, it's, it's okay. I love that expression, it's okay. When we're in tough times, it, it's okay, it's okay, it'll be okay. And so often we heard that feeling that it was trite, but yet what music, what powerful compassion words that she shared herself, it's okay. I think the feeling I'm seeing now that this connects well with the conversation we had with about ego and what Krista Gorman told told us how she lives uh, in our conversation about ego we were talking about how do you recognize it and what do you do about it and da, da, da. And, and if you spot the ego and then try and fight it you're, you're creating conflict with yourself because it's the same part of your mind that works it's the ego comes from the same part of the mind that fights the ego. But if you're authentic, you're over here. You're coming from the heart where there isn't honestly from the heart where there isn't any ego. As we've seen her just now and what Krista Gorman says 
I don't have, I don't spend any time with that anymore. I go with, with just what the feeling of the situation is. Just what you just explained, Mike. It's, it's just a, a different depth of your being that you're to be in touch with and to be willing to have the vulnerability of coming from. Yeah, and I think that's a great comment, Richard, too, because the question would be is, what keeps us from being authentic? What keeps us from being compassionate? Right? And I know I can speak for myself of saying that, you know, as we were taught how to behave, we were taught what corporate rituals or corporate language or other things would be, um, and it's not custom, but yet, isn't it interesting how people like that very often due to a very difficult situation, in this case, or cancer, use that experiences to burst through this facade and to become authentic. Yeah. I know for me, uh, a conversation I had with a friend uh, 40 years ago uh, was her saying, you're always armored. You're always armored. You know, I, I, I can't get through to the real you. And I, I know now I learned that as a survival technique in the household I grew up in. Like, man, do not, do not open your, your armor because you get stabbed. And it, it's, and it's still true that some people will even now, but you've got to have the strength to go, okay, I see that happening. It's them. I'm going to continue being honest from my heart. Uh, and, and the self-honesty of knowing when you are recognizing when, when you're being honest and authentic or you're up in your head somewhere. It's, it's been a long, long lesson for me still at it yeah i think that um cancer is just a, a a word um and a a word to describe a a a process in your body where you have taken on something like that and didn't process it over time can be it can be an illness that that grows over time by not being authentic or not opening your shell or you know by or doing certain things that are a bad pattern for your body um and so to recognize that without necessarily having cancer i mean cancer is a catalyst yeah you know for healing so you could have other things and if you could say well i don't have cancer but i'm sure headed towards you know, I'm in a bad place. Uh, this is eating me alive. Those are the terms that people use a lot of times. And the cancer then says, oh, I, okay, he wants me to eat him alive. You know, so it <laughs> responds. It says, it, it, what do you want me to do? You know, your, your body will, uh, I think a lot of times will respond to what you're telling it, you know. And those kind of inner cues that you get from yourself, unresolved issues. So, 
to avoid getting cancer. I mean, that's a healing in itself to, to, uh, to get to the point where you're changing your patterns. So it doesn't evolve into a cancer. You know, once you get the cancer, you, you need to look at well, what pattern got me here, you know, or what, what's my circumstance. Maybe it's hereditary, maybe it's this or that. Um, and, and it's not the same for everybody, but there is an element, I think, in what Richard, what you're talking about, to discover that um, whatever term you want to label that as, as a, a catalyst for you to change because you know it's not healthy. It's not taking you to a good place. Well, then, Michael, you, you were asking where that comes from. You know, the, I think you answered it, Richard. I mean, as you, you know, your early life and you have to build this armor because you're tired of the abuse. So I would, I would have to think that not being authentic has to come from a place of fear which is as, as negative an emotion as you could possibly have. So I can only imagine that it is unhealthy to have the armor to not be authentic. Um, it doesn't mean you have to wear your heart on your sleeve, as long, but as long as you speak your truth, I think the, the more you speak your truth, the healthier you will be. Um, nothing good comes from fear. And Tom, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that cancer could come about your environment, the food you eat, you know, grilling your steak too much. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can, right. can, can bring it on. But I think just generally speaking, cancer aside, for everybody just to become authentic and be truthful and be not be superficial is, is so much healthier. In, in general, than than to, you know, to, to be so closed up and guarded. I'm reminded what had uh, that I had thought that this tonight's talk was going to be about fatherhood. So I, <laughs> I wrote up this. <laughs> I wrote up this thing about my father, um, and to just quickly encapsulate encapsulate it. Uh, he was abandoned by his mother at four years old, and his father put him in uh, an orphanage. And then he went to different foster homes uh, until he joined the military. Uh, tried to raise a family, had three kids, and then he ended up with three wives. And at 92 years old, he ends up in a, a nursing home. And when I found out he was there, I started showing up as, as often as I could. And he'd look at me and say, what are you doing here? And I'd say, I love you and you're important to me. And it, it took a while. It, it took a whole bunch of visits before he softened a little bit. Uh, one time when my brother was there, uh, I leaned over in his, to his wheelchair to give him a little hug. And I motioned my brother to come over there. And in this very, very soft and gentle voice, he you heard him say, my boys, my boys. And the recognition on his part that he had kept us at arm's length or better for all these years was, was fading away and his heart was opening. And then he, he saw my sister for the first time in 30 years 
<clears throat> and we, honest to God, we just went to work on him. He, he, as far as I know, never cried about anything in his entire life. No matter what had happened, friends died, whatever. But he started crying one day when uh, we were all with him. And my sister had hired a woman to play harp. And he very, very quietly just cried a little bit. When he finally, finally passed, he was, he was open to love in a way I never expected him to be, that showed me how to be. And, and I, think, I think he was open enough that when he did pass, that he was a, available to reunite with the mother he hadn't seen in nearly 90 years. And my, uh, after he passed, he was cremated and we got these little vials of his ashes. So we put some ashes in my sister's garden area, flower garden, and stood in a circle and held hands and did a little, little prayer for him. We went to the land where the house stood that he was born in and did the same thing. Then we came back to uh, an ancient family cemetery uh, and did it again there amongst uh, all our ancestors. And as we're, you know, and it was a, just a warm, beautiful, loving moment. And he had loved airplanes his entire life. Uh, building models as a kid, he wanted to fly when he went into the military. They didn't take him as a pilot. He wanted to be a gunner, <clears throat> at least to be up in the airplane. Well, they had him loading airplanes, loading ammunition into planes for people who were training to be pilots. He never got to go fly. But as we're walking away from the, the cemetery, still in it, the shadow of a small airplane passed exactly over the three of us. And he just looked up and said, understood. It was so clear. It was dad saying, I'm on, thank you. I'm on my way. <laughs> thank you for sharing that, Richard. That really sounds, that's a wonderful story. And it sounds like it's a story of catharsis. Very much so. And reaching within ourselves for the authentic parts of our, us to help him find the authentic part of himself that had been buried for 92 years. And it worked. And as a ripple effect, now the story is still working on people. But that authentic, authenticity is an essentially needed piece in the world today. Thank you guys for joining in on the in the whole process. Yeah, I think this, uh, the journey, Mike, that you've started with us, <laughs> you dragged us what into, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's, it is a journey and, and, and it's our journey. And if anybody else is getting anything out of it, that's great. 
we hope that that happens, but certainly it's, it's um, transformative for me. And I think that it, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good process. And if, if there's a way for, for us to encourage other people to form their own little group like this, um, that would be another thing that we could, we could you know, offer to, to suggest, hey, get your own band. <laughs> you know, we've got our band. We're having a lot of fun. I don't know how many people are watching it. It doesn't matter because we're having a good, you know, this is good for us. Yes, and, and so if a bunch of people watch it, maybe we're not going to get two million and or twenty million or however many people watching our little discussion, but that doesn't make any less important. You know that uh, it's it's important for us, and that's the authentic part of it as well. Is that you're not doing it for a show. You're not doing it, and, and I don't think that she went on that show to promote herself so that she could get a contract for something or to make a bunch of money or something. You know, it, it seemed like she was, that that was a part of her journey and it was transformative. Not to promote herself, but just to honestly share herself. Mm -hmm. That was the, the cancer for her and for you guys, the, uh, my upbringing and uh, everything, life, everything. It, the, the phrase comes to mind, uh, journey to authenticity. Mm. We each have our, our version of that, the part that, we, that touches us, that gets through to us, to have that come out. Our truth. Yeah. Richard was on a session that I had, the modern day vision quest. Yeah. That was, uh, and, and really that was my effort to fully just unveil myself. Here's my views, here's my thoughts, here's the experience. You know, it was interesting because there are several people that I used, uh, had worked with, you know, in the past and and uh, they'd each commented in their own way to, you know, to me afterwards is, guys, isn't it amazing? How long did we work together? And we never know these aspects of self. and. But it was a very free and liberating session. And Tom, I appreciate your comment there because it's exactly how I feel here with the group is that I forgot what it was like, you know, from the years of being in the conferences, things like that, to be with others that I can just be fully myself with. I sort of resorted to going back and becoming part of the game. I still was myself in some key ways, attitude and other things, but, you know, I had to don that mask uh, and masks, you know, to, to be able to survive in those kinds of environments. And, and here is just the opportunity to, to speak openly, candidly, and with the added benefit of it is recorded. It's the kind of a thing that we're all willing to be incredibly vulnerable to, to put this stuff out there to be able to share ourselves uh, there. that And in this way, it's our own song. And this, what to me was a great reminder for me upon watching this video myself, is, is that here we are really singing a song together and hence the band, right? <laughs> a band of authentic, people willing to share views, ideas, 
you know, uh, openly, candidly, in public, uh, you know, is, is, is magnificent, right? And not knowing what kind of response you get, obviously we know there's people all out there with a million different feelings and would be enraged, I'm sure, you know, with some of the cop topics that we have, but yet it doesn't matter. We're being authentic and it's how I view this phase of life that I'm in, it's how do I fully discover and be my authenticity and sing my song? And I was just curious, is it, do, you, do you guys think about, do you have a thought about like what your song is in life? <laughs> Something humorous, I'm sure. <laughs> I'd have to say all the time. I mean, it's living. You know, I mean, I do write songs, but it's just like, you know, and I could be specific at that, but it's really the living, you know, it's the, it's the, the what's going on at any given point in time. Yeah. I think that's an incredibly profound comment Jeff and is the ideal aspect of it it doesn't matter if we end up on that stage it matters if we're that way every day in our own but, way and that is it comes back to you know the the discussion of ego you know what keeps us from being authentic is the damage that we perceive may happen to our egos um you know, if it, do I feel like I'm going to be hurt? You know, blah, 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 blah. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, you know, the more we can, um, because again, you can't do away with the ego. It's there. Her ego was there on the stage. It, it hadn't disappeared. It was being, ex it, she was expressing herself authentically through the vehicle of her ego. Um, so the ego, is, again, is not this bad thing. Um, it's the vehicle of the expression in this life. Again, you know, I always come back to these attachments. It's how attached are we? You know, how attached are we to how it sounds? Is, is our song good enough? Yeah. You know, is it in harmony? Because, you know, the more attached we are to that perception, the less authentic we'll be. As a musician, uh, you know, going through my early years, uh, my first experience with music was very personal. I wasn't playing music to perform. I was mus playing music because it made me feel good. You know, and I and I became part of the. I was the music, and the instrument was just a way for me to play that music. Um, I wasn't so much into my voice because I always judged my voice negatively, and still do to some extent. So I was more of an instrumentalist. That ego. I know, I know, <laughs> and and I've gotten past that. I'll have to say, uh, over the years, but the the thing that you learn when you start performing publicly 
uh, when, when I went to, you know, started being in groups and being in bands and being in an orchestra and all these things, you are it. I mean, the thing that you do, if you're playing a solo um, or, and you're playing an important part, you take the responsibility on to make that right, to make it as good as you can, because not for yourself, but for the sake of the music. You are the instrument that is performing that piece of the music. And so there's, there's a, a trust there, a sacred trust of, own, of um, responsibility, let's just say, um, that I am the vessel of the music. I'm the vehicle of that music. And so if you can get to that point, you're not worried about whether you're doing it whether somebody's judging you personally because you're so much immersed in the doing of it that you become it you become it is you and you are performing what the best that you can with that and if you put yourself into it that way then then you're not so concerned about was my hair look right or you know is this person um you know Maybe they're a better musician than I am, and they know that I'm making a, I'm, I'm, it's not as the way they would do it, or you know whatever that might be. Um, but it really had you have to get to a point in a performance where you forget that you are the person performing. You are the performance. You are the music, and and that is is when you do that, it really takes over, and you do lot better you know when when we're doing these chants when jeff uh, writes all these these pieces and we perform them i'm i'm sure jeff lo not loses himself but maybe finds himself in the performance of what he's doing you become it right I mean, you, I, you become... i'm i'm trying to let that happen yeah to to be to be the image that pops into my head is to be played right yeah you are the instrument god is is performing the piece through you not you i mean it, or spirit is the, is the one that is the composer or is the musician and you're the instrument or the, the vehicle vessel not that you can't take some ownership for being creative and and you know, some, some sense of, I created that, you know, I mean, there are times when you create something and you know, wow, that's unique. I mean, that nobody else has done that before. And we are all unique. And so there is a part of, of the self, the ego, perhaps that says, well, that bolsters me up a little bit to, to for my ego to feel like I did do something good, you know. I did perform something well and so forth. And so that's that that bolstering the ego, I think is probably important, um, you know, so that you do, you have the courage to, to go and put yourself in front of everybody and make a fool out of yourself if that's what happens. Because I've done that, you know, <laughs> I've, I've done that and made mistakes and it, but it's how you recover from that. Because if you're a good musician, you can make a mistake because nobody else really knows you made it because you're the one that knows how it's supposed to sound. And that, that's one of the things that you learn is that don't stop the performance. If you make a mistake, don't go, oh my God, what did I do? You know, you, you just go with it. And that's what improvisation is about.
You know, if you're a, if you're a good musician, nobody knows that you made a mistake. They just they kind of accept it more easily, or or you know, it's not so bad. I like that improv. That's probably yeah. where improv came from. Oh yeah, yeah. Loosen up. As you're talking, I'm turning. I'm translating all this through clowning, and you know, I'll, I'll have a routine where I'm supposed to balance on something and accomplish something while I'm balanced. And I have uh, all these built-in obstacles for myself. And the thing I need to do is be really, really honest about how I respond to the obstacles, even the ones I created, let alone something that crops up, you know, the, you know like if I happen to fall off or something, have an honest reaction to that and then go on. But the, that honesty is, is uh, essential to a good performance. And, and it, as you say, if you, if you get good enough at it, no one realizes you made the mistake. It's just another yeah. piece of the whole process. Mm -hmm. If you're truly, truly in it. If I, it, when, when I first started out, it was, how do I look? You know, are they laughing enough? Is this working? It was, you know, and all these anxiety stuff was in my head, and I would do an okay job. But as as Tom Sawyer told me, just play. You know all the words. You know all the movements. Now go play. Yeah, right. Honestly, from the heart, and 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 it will be a better. It will be a better bit. A better skit. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's interesting. I, for a long time, struggle with just so many principles. I, I, I like to overthink on things, but one is, is, you know, just, wow, think of like Tom, you know, just sharing all of these thoughts of wisdom and think of these other people. And of course, then there's me, you know, and that's part of my past and the poor me kind of thing. But as I've been growing, and I'm curious what your thought is on this, is I feel like the times when I am fully authentic, that I am fully in spirit. And when, and, and so much of the conversation that I've heard and counseling, I think, learn to be you, learn to be you. And, and I think being us, fully being us, is the greatest gift. It is our spirit. It is our portrayal of this aspect of physical that we are bringing into this time and plane and whatever else it is here. So it's just the more authentic we are, the more we are truly our spirit. Yeah, I agree. I, I think... I think we're all saying the same thing here that we are expressing our truth, Tom, with your your playing through instruments and Jeff, you're writing your your chants, your your all the different things that you do, your clowning, Richard. I mean, when we're being authentic, when we are expressing our true selves. I think we are expressing spirit. And Jeff, I think you may be onto something that 
it is through our ego. So it's not that we're being egotistical, but what might be divine is coming through us. Our egos are the instrument. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and making it, taking the abstract divine thing inspires us through our brains to create something that conveys the message, no matter how, whatever form that that takes, that's being authentic. That's seeing our truth revealed in the, in the best possible way. So when Sawyer told you, Richard, to, to just play, I think that's what he was saying. Just do your thing and no, you know, don't worry about, about the, 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 the other stuff, you know, and just be happy. Just go with the flow, as they say. Just follow your bliss. That's exactly what you, you, is the best thing to do. <laughs> it's Popeye the Sailor Man's mantra. I am what I am. <laughs> <laughs> You're dating yourself, Richard. I, this dates me, too. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, I have to admit, someone I was filling out a form and they asked for the color of my hair. Yeah. And which I, one? I, <laughs> I, which which hair? I'm like, you've got a lot of colors in your hair. <laughs> I could say colorful, I guess. You could say colorful. Yeah. Silver. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna, I remember that. Colorful. <laughs> Well, guys, it's been another great session. It's helpful to me and glad to hear it was for others. Thank you so much for the time. Richard, thanks for allowing me to jump in because I mean, I, my, that was my thought. I would probably gravitate to a, to a Father's Day and thanks for allowing me to share and have the conversation. Uh, your thoughts and comments were all really, really helpful for me. I appreciate it. We decided to let you back in this week. <laughs> I'll start conforming next week. <laughs> so next week we can do the father's thing. What was that? I said next week we can do the father's thing. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and Bruce, we wish you well. We know that you're you're yes. shared shared your yeah. journey and, and this coming next week, I guess. Is that right? Uh, this Thursday, so, so we'll all, I won't, I won't we'll be with be. you. Thank you. Blessings be. Blessings be. We'll Thank be you. with you. The force be with you. Yes. <laughs> I will be back. <laughs> <laughs> and keep up the smile for the farce will be with you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm.